the memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, the winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Prukop to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years! And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart White here, publisher and editor for the See You at the Game website and your host for the See You at the Game podcast. Welcome to our weekly review preview episode. I am joined for this episode by Neil Langland as Brad Geiger is currently hanging out on a beach in Hawaii, trying his best not to check the internet for yet another negative story about CU. On our own, Neil and I will work our way through the 45 to 17 loss to UCLA and discuss the debut of freshman quarterback, Owen McCowan. We will then discuss the status of head coach Carl Durrell. Are Durrell's days numbered at CU? Or will the CU administration write out the rest of the season with Durrell as head coach? Not neglecting our duties, we will then go through our tips progression for the CU-Arizona game, reviewing the talent for both teams, what intangibles may be in play, how preparation will play a role, and then look at which statistics will factor into deciding the winner. So, do the Buffs, as 17.5-point underdogs, have a chance against a team which went 1-11 last year, including a 34-0 loss to Colorado? Have the Buffs found an answer at quarterback with Owen McCowan? Or will the Arizona defense expose him as an inexperienced freshman making his second career start? Can the Buff offense finally find a second gear going up against a defense ranked 108th in the nation? Let's find out. Okay, and we're back. And I am joined by Neil Downtown Langland. How is Neil doing today? Yeah, doing fine, enjoying the weather, but it's so warm. They're not going to be making snow for a couple of weeks yet, so I'm I'm a, a little hurt. A little hurt, and well, yeah. It has kind of distracted me a little bit from um, our poor football program that I think is kind of weighing heavily on most of us true buffs. Yes, well, thanks to everyone that's tuning in because you are either a true fan or – have some issues with you know requires counseling or or both we're not going to have brad highlands ranch geiger because brad is on a beach in hawaii trying his best to avoid any contact with the internet or the university of colorado football program so we're going to have to go on without him i am actually staying at his house this weekend for the game so perhaps i can channel some of brad's insights as we talk about the game well, it was Colorado falling to UCLA, 45 to 17, 
21 to 10 at halftime. Once again, the Buffs were at least in the game for the third time in four games, were at least somewhere associated with being close to being a participant in the game, only to fall apart in the second half. Just some of the awful numbers. UCLA, 515 yards of total offense to 309 for Colorado, which was actually a kind of a step up for Colorado. The Buffs did have 19 first downs for change, but only 51 yards rushing. The Buffs gave up 249 yards rushing, which even though it was an improvement, still keeps Colorado firmly in last place in the nation in rushing defense. The Buffs did score... 10 points in the second quarter to make it 21 to 10 at the break. And then once again, they did what they do normally in the second half, which is to fall apart. So once again, another three or four touchdown loss. Neil, what uh, what was your initial impressions in watching the a route by UCLA? Their first win in Boulder, by the way, since 2014. Their, their luck had to change at some point, and when they came on the schedule this year, all, all the uh, tumblers of the universe fell into place. I have to, a confession, Stuart, I did not go to the game. I gave my tickets away. I didn't watch it live. Um, I listened to part of it on the radio. I, I love Gary Barnett and what I learned from him, and I'm going to channel some of his stuff, but my impression is simply that I think the coaches are trying very hard. I think the players are trying. Don't want to be harsh with people that are finer athletes than I'll ever dream of being, but it's just not power five talent at CU right now. And no amount of coaching or scheming is going to change that this season. I'm afraid. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong, but that's the way it appears now. Yeah, I mean, the first half, uh, UCLA, three drives, three touchdowns. And it wasn't, I don't think, until the third drive, they even had a third down. Uh, It was so bad that, you know, just a matter of how many plays it would take for them to score. It didn't seem like there was any chance that C was going to be able to keep them from scoring. It was just a matter of how long it would take. But Colorado did generate some offense of its own, at least – uh, the Buffs didn't fumble on the first or second play of the game, so that was a positive in and of itself. We were joking in the stands as the game was getting started that even a three and out would be an improvement for this offense on the first possession. But uh, <laughs> the Buffs did drive down, had a 12-play drive on the first drive of the game, and you know didn't score. So missed a long field goal attempt, and everybody just kind of went, okay, after UCLA quickly drove down the field and and got a touchdown. And it was like, okay, here we go again. So let's talk a little bit about the starting quarterback, Owen McCowan, who I seem to like to call Josh McCowan. And there's lots of McCowans in the world, but Owen is CU's McCowan of note, a freshman starting quarterback, the earliest a true freshman has ever started at quarterback at the University of Colorado. CU's third starting quarterback in four games, which is also a first for the Buffs to have three starting quarterbacks in a matter of only four games. His stats, 26 for 42 for 258 yards with a touchdown and an interception. He also had CU's rushing touchdown on a fourth and goal right before halftime, and he also had a fumble 
on a sack. He had another fumble that was wiped out because of a penalty. Um, he got pushed around a lot. Five sacks, two roughing the passer penalties called against UCLA. So they were definitely teeing off on the young quarterback. What was your impression of the freshman quarterback starting his first game at the University of Colorado? I watched uh, the game this morning and I was able to slow-mo some stuff and look in a little more detail at certain things. And what impressed me most was his presence and his quarterback-ness. He seemed to be very comfortable in, in control, in control, knew the audience, excuse me, knew the offense and seemed quite poised. I like his throwing motion. I like his mobility. He is decisive. Uh, I think the coaches did him a great favor by starting him out with some very simple patterns, very quick patterns, where he could get the ball, turn, throw, really not have to think too much or have to make complex decisions. He did that very well. And I, I thought, well, let's compare this with maybe another start, uh, starting quarterback freshman from the past, like Craig Oaks, who was a four-star recruit, a Boulder kid. And I think McCown did much better in his uh, debut than him. I think he reminds me, McCown does, of Coy Detmer. And when he came in, Detmer had a better supporting cast, but still had that same presence and that same comfort and that same smooth, accurate throwing motion. Um, I think the quarterback battle, uh, absent a big injury, is probably over. Uh, at least I hope McCown gets a couple games under his belt with all the first team reps in practice so he can coordinate with receivers because some of the misses yesterday seemed to me to be um, uh, McCown throwing one pattern, the receiver running another, or just being slightly off by a step. I think that can all be ironed out. It led me to believe that um, this is a good decision. And I'm sorry it took so long, but he seems to have something worth having. Well, let's hope so. I mean, he did have the 258 yards. It was the most for any CU quarterback since 2020, uh, since Sam Neuer had the same 258 yards against Utah in the, the finale that year, the regular season finale that year. And he did leave the bus to you know some improvement on the offense, obviously 17 points. The last touchdown coming with a couple minutes to go, but first two touchdown game of the season for Colorado, which you can still count in four games, the number of touchdowns on one hand were up to five. But I agree, he did seem to have a pretty good command of the offense, especially when considering that, you know, they've been doing three different quarterbacks. You know, you can only have so many reps. You only get to have so many practices during the week. You only get so much time with the first team that it seems a shame that he wasn't getting more opportunities or the coaches didn't see it earlier. I mean, it seems strange that he would be so much better at being a quarterback than what we've been seeing from JT Shrout or from Brendan Lewis the first couple of games. And the coach is not recognizing. You think it was just the fact that he was a true freshman and they just didn't believe he was ready or the fact that he weighs 170 pounds stripping wet and just is still a, a young freshman learning the game. 
something interesting from the broadcast, Barnett, I'll be brief. Barnett said that he, Coach Barnett, had gone to the early practices and had seen all the quarterbacks. And he commented to a friend, and he said this on the broadcast, I think this lefty is probably going to beat everyone else out. He thought even then that he was the best quarterback on the field. Wow. Well, I mean, I agree, you know, that starting off with, uh, you know, a quick out to Daniel Arias and then a little out to, you know, Brady Russell to start the game. That was a, a nice way to get his feet wet. But he did make freshman plays. You know, he did have the fumble. He did throw an interception in the traffic. A couple of times they're open receivers. And again, we don't know what the timing is, but it seemed like they were open receivers, which is not something CU's had a lot of. It just wasn't the connections weren't always made. But he did have, you know, they did have a couple long passes, you know, which is something that CU offense hasn't had a lot of this year. Did put together some drives, but my fear going forward is now that there's tape on him that with the absence of a C rushing attack and the buffs basically had like 50 yards rushing for the game that there's not going to be any attempt to pretend to worry about the running running game and they're just going to tee off on the young quarterback and like you say he suffered five sacks numerous other hits and you know, UCLA had no problem going after him and getting two roughing the passer penalties. So I don't know if he's going to be able to last the entire season. I'm concerned about that also. And I think it's legit. And I, you're absolutely right. When UCLA came out in the second half, their first defensive series, they were rushing six and seven guys blitzing from every angle. And they got to him a couple of times, flushed him out many times. That's definitely going to be the book now on CU's offense and you're right I fear for him and I fear for putting a slightly built guy under that kind of duress um I hope that they can come up with some way to keep him safe yeah well in the end 28 point loss see this becomes the first time in program history that CU's lost four straight games by 25 or more points that Beats the one in ten team from 1980 that lost 82 to 42 to Oklahoma and lost to Drake. No better than the one in ten team in 1984. Dan Hawkins' team that lost to Montana State. Even John Embry's teams didn't lose by 25 points in four straight games. Three winless teams left in FBS: Georgia State, Colorado State, and Colorado. And it was interesting that. Uh, the Rams up in Fort Collins lost to Sacramento State. Actually got beat pretty badly, 41 to 10. Sacramento State, the Hornets from the Big Sky Conference now have a 2 and 23 record all time against FBS schools. Any guesses as to what other team Sacramento State has beaten in its history? Well, I'll give you a clue. I was there for it. I saw the game winning field goal on the North Goalposts. Yeah. And same Sac State that yeah. came back and out physicaled, out schemed, out hustled the buffs. Yeah. 2012, the John Embry team. Just the quote from head coach Carl Durrell after the game. I want to get your thoughts on that. He said, It was a frustrating day, but I felt like looking at the game, there were some positive things. 
that even though we were in a factory and getting a chance to win this one, it got away from us, but I was encouraged by the young freshmen that we decided to use. So would uh, you concur that it, even though it was a frustrating day, there were some positives to be taken that other than from Owen McCowan? Yeah, uh, actually, when uh, I was watching this morning, it struck me that there just seemed to be a little bounce in the buff step because they were having a little bit of success on the ground. They were moving the ball through the air, making first downs. I think Offerdahl is not a large guy or powerful guy, but he certainly has some wiggle and good vision to where he can make yards on his own, uh, perhaps in a way that some of the other backs may not be able to do. I'm not sure about um, the freshman that started in the line, but there is some positive on the offense. The punting game was much better, I thought, than last week. With a Is freshman it? walk-on. Yes. Because Ashton Logan was, uh, you know, the prize recruit punter uh, was out with an illness. So the punting was handled by a freshman walk-on. So there you go. Well, he actually had hang time on his yes. kick, which was a nice thing to have. Um, I don't think UCLA was actually was interested in returns, just looking at the coverage, but that's about as far no wait wait the coach's willingness to take chances on freshmen i like that because they had been in a very conservative shell now for a long time they broke out of that a little bit they actually may listen to our podcast where we suggested hey how about some short passes let the qb get his seat under him they actually did that you know i was like wow we we must have some downloads that we don't quite know about, Stu. <laughs> yeah, we could trace the downloads to see if it's holding on the Champion Center. But, <laughs> but yeah, um, there's there's some positive there, actually. Well, is it a positive or is it just acts of desperation? You mentioned the offensive lineman. That was Van Wells. In addition to McCowan, Sowell, a wide receiver. So CU had three true freshmen starting on offense for the first time since 2008. So is that making progress or is this acts of de desperation for a coaching staff that uh, is playing for its survival at this point? Well, perhaps as I understand in the law, counselor, that and and or in some circumstances are interchangeable. So if that's true, I'd like to adopt that here and say, we're not getting production from some guys. So we're going to try to motivate them and motivate everybody and just make changes and see how it goes. We don't have anything to lose. So why yeah. not? And maybe our philosophy of offense up to this point hasn't been so good. So let's try something different there. I like that. And however, on the other side, it's like, holy cow, we're not getting anything. We got to do something. So there's some of both. I should have yeah. said that at the beginning. <laughs> well, speaking of having nothing to lose, Colorado now goes on the road to face the Arizona Wildcats. So we'll go through our our tips, the talent, intangibles, preparation, and stats, and talk a little bit about Arizona Wildcats at 7.30 p.m. Of course, we'll be on the Pac-12 networks because, you know, they can might as well just say the home of the Colorado Buffaloes here for the rest of the season. The, uh, the Wildcats are a 17 and a half point 
favorite coming into the game. This is, again, uh, they're 2-2 two and two this year, but Arizona had won one game in almost two calendar years before the start of the 2022 season. So this is not a uh, dominating force, but still 2-2 two and two on the air when see, it was 0-4. So any thoughts, an overview about the line as far as being a three-score deficit for the Buffs against a team that uh, hasn't been a favorite? I don't think. I think the line was that uh, this is the first time since 2019 that Arizona's been favored in a Pac-12 game, and they're favored by 17 and a half points. That's a lot. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I, mean, I, I just see you, I think, has done so poorly, haven't come close to covering a spread so far this year. Correct. Um, it seems like no number is too high honestly, not to be snarky about it, but um, I'm not sure Arizona will cover, but they seem, Arizona, to be a program that's been revived by their head coach and their coaching staff, and they've had some opportunity for success so far this year. Nuts didn't go too well against Cal, but I have a feeling that Arizona probably is the better team right now, better talent. And being favored, they're entitled to that. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about the talent. Um, their quarterback is a name that probably is familiar to Buff fans, even though he hasn't been in Arizona. But for four games, Jaden Delora, he is now in Tucson. He was at Washington State. But even though he's still only a sophomore, he already has 4,500 career passing yards. 1,149 yards in four games so far this fall. Last weekend against Cali at 401 yards passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions. So Washington State, we see who hasn't played Washington State since 2019, so this is not a quarterback that she has gone up against, but it certainly had um, some success in the Palouse for playing in Pullman and is doing pretty well for himself playing for Arizona. His favorite receiver, Jacob Cowing, who already has six touchdowns, receiving 386 yards, receiving and six touchdowns. And once again, for those scoring at home, the Colorado offense has five touchdowns total in four games, and this receiver already has six. Against Cal, Cowing had seven catches for 133 yards and a touchdown. The running back to keep an eye on is Michael Wiley. The junior has 210 rushing yards with three touchdowns. Arizona's pretty good. They're 62nd in the country in offense, gaining over just 425 yards a game. They're over. They're scoring over 30 points a game. And their lowest point total was a loss to Mississippi State. And in that game, they scored 17 points, which, again, is the high-water mark for CU. So the lowest point total for Arizona this year is 17. The highest point total for Colorado this year is 17. So... The offense seems to be pretty good. I mean, it's not a great offense, but compared to what Colorado puts on the field, it's at the at the very least a very productive offense. I would agree. Um, they've had some not so difficult opponents, so we have to take their stats with a little bit of caution. But I remember from last year, the game was pretty close until – Arizona mistakes allowed CU to pull away. 
So on a talent level, um, CU lost a lot. I don't think Arizona lost that. They may have had a net gain. So I'm going to give the plus sign to Arizona on talent. Okay. Uh, the Arizona defense has given up 34 points a game, which is 108th in the nation. So pretty much the book on Arizona talent is that they're going to score points and they're going to give up points. It really just becomes a question, isn't it, that uh, whether or not CU can score points. Arizona is going to get theirs, but is there any chance that the CU offense can get its act together and score points against the Arizona defense? Well, I hate to be simplistic and predictable, but it all depends on the O-line and the play calling. If we're able to get just a little bit of balance, a little bit of a running game going, I think McCown probably can score on them. I think he and the receivers probably will be okay. Without a running game, he's going to be on his back a lot that day. I, I think Arizona's defense, see, you can probably score seven. They'll probably score more than they did against UCLA. Let's put it that way. Not maybe a touchdown, maybe 10 points more tops. Okay. Well, for intangibles, my question really goes to whether or not the, the, the buff players, I mean, they're all saying the right things, but the question becomes, are they really playing for this coaching staff anymore? I'm going to give you a couple of post-game quotes and get your comments on that and just see what you think as far as whether or not you can read the tea leaves on this or whether or not you think that uh, this team is still behind the coaching staff. First quote came from tackle Frank Phillip. He says, I'm not going to lie, it's difficult. I've been through coaching changes a couple of times, but I know from our standpoint, we're behind him being in Coach Durrell. We love Coach Durrell and believe in him, and we think that we can turn this around. Linebacker Josh chandler Semedo, the transfer from West Virginia, he said, I came to see you because of Coach Durrell. He has my 1,000% faith, 1, faith. Bottom line, he can't go out there and play. The coaches can. The coaches, they can't go out there and play. We're the players. And then safety, Trevor Woods, was asked about the morale of the team. He says, um, if it's positive, he says, I do. Guys work hard. You know, it's just when it comes down to, you know, that's the biggest problem. Everybody's going out there. We're doing everything we can. We just got to execute. It's the biggest thing. So from those comments, are they, you think the players are still playing? Do you think they still have optimism about playing? Do you think that uh, it just takes a couple of seconds worth of bad karma, you know, fumbling on the first possession, the opposition scoring on their first three, you know, I mean, CU hasn't scored a touchdown this season when they weren't already behind by three scores. So, are they just going to be up for it all the way up until the other team scores and there were 10 minutes into the game and they're already looking towards trying the next game? Yes, and maybe. I think Durrell has stuck up for his players by making positive comments in the press, and I think they appreciate him not throwing them under the bus. I think going into the games, they're probably excited, ready to go, but maybe after a couple of quarters of being behind 7, 20, 21 points, it starts to seep in that here we go again. And despite their best efforts, 
They just don't quite have the effort or the focus that they need to have. I think it's, they're just worn down and they have an emotional peak. And once they start losing, I think it probably drains the team of their motivation. Yeah. I'm afraid that's going to be the case pretty much the rest of the year that they're going to come out, have a game plan that's supposed to work. And then when it doesn't work after the first quarter, that's just playing out the string. I mean, certainly they're going to play hard on every play, but whether or not the enthusiasm is going to be there to carry them through to actually win a game, it's hard to see right now. And on the intangible side for Arizona, they've lost twice in a row to to the Buffs, including a 24-13 loss in 2020. Arizona for the last couple of years has been the team that everybody looked forward to on their calendar. It's like, okay, you know, we can get good this week. We can make ourselves look good. We can have good stats this week. We can have positive stats on the defense by shutting somebody out. We can have positive stats on the offense by running up the score. Arizona's been on the other side of this for the last couple of years. So intangible-wise, incentive-wise, I think the Arizona players, if they get the chance, are not going to just want to win this game by three and move on. They're going to want to really put it to Colorado. And, uh, I mean, it was a 34 to nothing, and you were quite correct. I mean, it was a close game until the block punt last year. But then – See, so you kind of piled on at the end to make it a 34 to nothing game and made it a lot less close than it really was. So I think intangible-wise, it's definitely on the side of the Wildcat sideline. Schedule-wise, preparation-wise, you kind of alluded to it a little bit about the opposition that, yes, Arizona is 2-2, two and two, but it hasn't really been playing a murderer's row. San Diego State, the win on, against San Diego State looked impressive, but then San Diego State is not having a great year. They beat Idaho and, you know, only scored 17 points against Toledo, a Toledo team that gave up 77 points to Ohio State. Meanwhile, um, don't look now, but the uh, the teams that CU has played have a combined record of 14-1. and one. The only loss was Air Force stumbling against Wyoming up in Laramie. And, of course, you know, what you see what Minnesota laid on Mel Tucker in Michigan State. It was uh, 34-7 to in East Lansing with Michigan State only scoring with 17 seconds to go. So this just in, Minnesota's a pretty good team. Now, it was a thumping of extraordinary proportions that they put on Colorado, but, you know, it's not like Minnesota was a bad team. So I don't know, maybe – Arizona schedule, but we said the same thing about UCLA last week, right? That they trailed Bowling Green. They almost lost to South Alabama. They come to Boulder and they look like, you know, they're ready to challenge for the Pac-12 title. So what do you think about uh, preparation schedule? Anything that uh, jumps out to you as far as uh, the past or the future? Well, in segueing from intangible to prep, with something you mentioned about ASU's troubles that now opens it up, opens the field for Arizona to move forward and emerge as the dominant program in that state. So I think they're going to be motivated by that preparation now for CU. One advantage of watching the game as I did is looking at the end zone shots, the replays, 
And this was even mentioned in an article, I think, by Brian Howell about how the defensive coaches were noting that players were not lining up in the proper gaps. And that was one reason why we were getting gashed up the middle, that running backs weren't even touched until they were 10 years, excuse me, 10 yards down the field. CU has to get that run defense and those run fits straightened out. They, they have to fix that. That has been a thorn since the second half of the TCU game. And I'm, I didn't play college ball and I'm not a defensive coach, but anyone can see that what they're doing on run defense simply isn't working. They need to take some chances there. And it may be changing from what appears to be a one gap system to a two gap system. Uh, I don't know, but it's time for some desperation by the defensive coaches. And if CU doesn't fix that, we're going to see a game similar with Arizona, similar to what we had with the previous four. Yeah. Well, and just let me ask you, I mean, you know, from you looking at it from a technical standpoint, it seems like, well, I don't think it even seems like it is that in the second half of each game, CU's gotten killed that, if there's any adjustments being made, it's being made by the opposition. Again, you know, a TCU game, the score was seven to six at half. It was 20 to 10 at Air Force and 21 to 10 against UCLA. And yet the opposition came and just completely blitzkrieg's the Colorado defense in the second half. And the Colorado offense goes from either poor to, or at least against UCLA, mediocre to again, non-existent until the last couple of drives of the fourth quarter when nobody's in the stands but friends and family. So, so is this lack of talent and lack of depth, or is it poor coaching? Well, I'm starting to wonder some about the coaches. And again, from my perspective as a relative novice, I think UCLA's halftime adjustments occurred midweek last in that they studied all the film and made their adjustments of how to attack CU's defense, and they did it from the outset. Uh, Charbonnet was just fabulous, and their, their run blocking, he had big alleys to run through. So, again, in the second half, our defense continued to struggle. It was adjustments not made that really told the story there. And with respect to CU's offense, the UCLA defense, as we mentioned earlier, adapted and ran different blitzes um, and really started attacking our passing game. So CU is going to have to, this week, plan for that and make those adjustments. And if they don't have answers, like holding a back or two in for pass protection or have two tight ends for and max protect, I fear that we're not going to have much time to throw the ball. And we, they know now that McCown can throw on the run and he does his bootlegs and his rollouts to the left. So they're going to be prepared for that. We need to know they're prepared for that and have a counter. Yeah. And we're I going mean, to see how well these coaches do with that because our yeah. tendencies are well-known. Yeah. I mean, if they're blitzing, you know, what's your, what do you do that? You have screen passes, you have draws, the two plays that, you know, see doesn't seem to have in its repertoire. You, you know, dump it over the middle to the tight end. There's lots of things that teams have done when they're loading up against a, you know, an inexperienced quarterback to try and give the inexperienced quarterback some of quick 
reads and quick outlets, but yeah, we will we will see. And on the other side of the ball, you know, Jaden Delora has thrown six interceptions so far this year, but you know, I don't see why Arizona would even want to try and pass unless they're forced to. Colorado's going to give up 300 yards rushing a game. There's really no reason to try and pass the ball. That's moving into the stats part of things that, I mean, just really, there's nothing, there's no stats that look good for the University of Colorado. They haven't forced too many third downs, but even when they do, they're giving up first downs. They're giving up a conversion rate of 55% on third downs. So even on the rare occasion when the defense can force a third down, they're just giving up the first down and giving up the drive. And yeah, it's, it's not, it's not pretty. I don't, as you may mention at the opening, you know, with the spread being 17 and a half would be ridiculous for anybody else. Uh, the, the opening line for Arizona state at USC was 17 and a half. So basically you think about the mess that is the Arizona state program right now, going on the road to play top 10 team, in the Coliseum against USC and the high-powered offense the USC has, they're 17.5-point underdog. They're putting Colorado going to Arizona on the same level in terms of how much chance Colorado has. And I don't think too many people, if you ask them, would think that Arizona has any chance of beating USC. Well, Vegas seems to think the same about Colorado going to big, mighty Arizona. The team has three wins now in three seasons. So um, Brad's not here to give us our, his prediction. So we're going to put you on the limb here to let the world know what you see happening Saturday night in the desert. What's uh, what's going to be the final score of Colorado at Arizona? Well, again, transitioning from point spreads to outcome, the Final scores in CU's games have reflected sportsmanship and mercy on the part of opposing teams and opposing coaches. Could have been much worse. So CU hasn't come close to covering uh, yet this year. And I think that high spread is justified in terms of it'll be closer and Arizona doesn't have uh, the talent that the other teams have or the power that other teams have. But I'll just go on a limb and say that we have Arizona scoring um, somewhere like 38, 41 points. Uh, and CU is going to score um, 19. <laughs> Not quite ready to break the seal on the big two zero. Can't get quite into crooked numbers just yet. I'm not uh, thinking three touchdowns, um, but that's where I could really be weak and wrong. But um, yeah, well, a team that's had five touchdowns in four games, it's hard to imagine them putting three touchdowns on the board in one game unless there's a defensive or special team score or something like that. But they still play the game, and we'll see what happens, and then. We'll get back together again with another podcast. So until then, I wish you well, and thank you for being with us. Thank you, Stuart. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. And I mean that sincerely, based upon the current state of Colorado football. 
During the remainder of the season, we will be back weekly with our preview review podcast being posted on Tuesdays throughout the year with my written tips being posted on Wednesday mornings at the See You at the Game website. We will be taking a week off during the bye week, so we will be back Tuesday of the Cowl game. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast so that you won't miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are proud to be a part of their podcast network. As before, you can find the See What the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the See What the Game website. I will be back soon with Neil and Brad as we review the Arizona game and preview the Buffs' upcoming home game against Cal. So, until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to cuatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.